King Solomon loved many foreign women in addition to Pharaoh's daughter. Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women from the nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them and they must not intermarry with you because they will turn your heart away to follow their gods. To these women, Solomon was deeply attached in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 who were concubines and they turned his heart away. When Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away to follow other gods. He was not wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord his God as his father David had been. Solomon followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Milcom, the abhorrent idol of the Ammonites. Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight, and unlike his father David, he did not remain loyal to the Lord. At that time, Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abhorrent idol of Moab, and for Milcom, the abhorrent idol of the Ammonites on the hill across from Jerusalem. He did the same for all his foreign wives who were burning incense and offering sacrifices to their gods. The Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. He had commanded him about this so that he would not follow other gods, but Solomon did not do what the Lord had commanded. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, Solomon's life is an interesting one. It's an interesting one in part because we saw last week uh, I believe it was last week, that uh, God's working of election, of choosing a particular person outside of the, the succession motives that, that we can often have um, in, in our life, the, the, the idea that we deserve certain things because we fit into a particular paradigm, God comes in and throws that out. And so Solomon establishes his kingdom, though, somewhat in a bloody way, but he does it. And then we have the, the section in chapter 3 of 1 Kings uh, where he has his dream, right? And, and God asks him, what should I give to you? And Solomon says, I need wisdom. There's too many people and I'm young. I need your help. And that's a beautiful story of Solomon's life. And then God says, yeah, well, because you've asked for this, I'm going to give you long life and riches and glory and all these things because you didn't ask for those things and so I'm going to give them to you. That's not a prescription for you to ask God for wisdom and suddenly you become rich. It's just the position of, of, of how God is with, with Solomon here. And then we have um, the, these, other, these other stories that, that happen in, in the life of Solomon as he builds the temple. There's quite a detailed account of him building the temple and getting help from Hiram of, of Tyre to be able to do that. And then we, we have the actual building of the temple complex and the building of, of his palace. And, and, uh, and then the beautiful dedication of the temple itself with, his, with this beautiful prayer, this petition to God that when your people are gone, when they're not in this place anymore and they turn their eyes and their hearts back to this place, please hear and forgive their sin. Uh, 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 some people say it's a foreshadowing to the exile. Others say that this was an account written during the exile to remind the people of God that God's temple does not contain God himself. It was just where God chose to have his name reside, but that it's at least a place where God has said, if you don't think you can find me anywhere else, you can find me 
here. It's like the, the question of church for us. The reason why we as pastors want people to come to church is not necessarily a proprietary issue. At least it shouldn't be. The, the bad pastors are all about we wanting you at church because, well, we just want the pews filled. It's this uh, desire for you to be able to at least be in a place where you know you're going to hear from God through his word, hopefully hear from God through the preacher, receive from the sacrament, be present for prayer uh, and, and uh, other, other forms of worship, whether it be music or silence or candles or whatever. Uh, these things that are able to say at least for that one hour or more on a Sunday, you know for certain that you've been in the presence of God and God has been with you. And so that the temple holding this, this large sway within the life of the Israelites. And then uh, we have this account of Solomon's wealth, how, he, how God gives him so many things. And then finally we get to his downfall. And the danger is, is that we read this text and we want to say, oh, all these women, it's the women's fault. They did it. They pulled him away. No, actually, it was Solomon. Solomon had his, his, his faults. It's interesting that you read this account of Solomon with his 700 wives and 300 concubines, which I'm sorry, but uh, I've got one wife. I love her to pieces, and I have a hard time keeping her happy. Uh, and 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 doing what I'm told, <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine trying to do that with 700 wives and 300 concubines. That'd just be like nude. I, I think it was in uh, in an Everybody Loves Raymond episode where where everyone assumes that Ray uh, has. Uh, had an affair and his dad goes son if you've got a problem with your one wife you don't get another you know <laughs> or if you have a problem with one woman you don't get another that this idea being that we're we're sinners we we can barely keep things going in one direction or another with with one individual in our in relationship with us don't try and hold it together with more and then you've got solomon um, with this and it but it's interesting though that he's this is delineated as the downfall for him. The ultimate sin, sin that causes him to crash uh, is basically the sin of adultery uh, in the sense of, and I think that's the, the sin of polygamy that, that comes to us. If you read through the scriptures uh, and, and people who wanna say, oh, polygamy is just fine, just read through the scriptures of all the people that had more than one wife. And you find out it didn't go well for them it didn't go well for the wives. It didn't go well for their children, especially. And yet here Solomon gets himself put into a position in which he allowed for uh, his own sins, his own frailty become, to become the deciding factor of his legacy. You have all these chapters in first kings so right now we're in chapter 11 of first kings the, the bankruptcy chapter um but uh you have all these chapters showcasing all these great things that solomon did and then you get to this one 
And you find out that not only is it his own downfall of his own sin, of not not hearing from God to remind him of his sin, like we talked about yesterday, the fact that the commandments come to us and, and convict us, and oftentimes we want to hate the commandments for that. Instead, we need to ask God to cause us to love his commandments. But uh, he, he stumbles because of, of, of his own inadequacies, his own, his own frailties. And then you find out that Solomon, being this one who is the, 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 the successor to David, the one chosen by God for this thing, chosen to do these great things of building the temple and this palace and building up Jerusalem and amassing all this wealth and having all this peace and everything. He's the king who's in charge when the kingdom falls, when it gets divided, when, when Jeroboam gets given the 10 tribes of Israel and Solomon's son, Rehoboam, who is a complete gets to keep Judah and Benjamin. And that's it. You see this absolute tearing apart of the tribes of Israel, tearing apart of the people of God. And it comes through, comes through, uh, in part, the downfall of Solomon, where his, his kingship was not as great as you would think it would be. But the lesson for us is how is our own sinfulness causing the downfall of others? How's our own sinfulness uh, destroying parts of our own life? We've been talking in our in our young adults group, we've been going through the, the book Seculosity, and each chapter deals with how we construct certain things into idols. And we just got done looking at parenting. How parenting, the way that we were parented, impacts the way that we parent. And the way that we parent impacts how our children become, what they become, but then also how they're going to parent. And it becomes a, a almost a, a continual waterfall of anxieties and failures and all these things because the sins that just get keep getting passed down over and over again. And that's just in parenting. Uh, imagine how it goes with the sinfulness or the frailties in the church. How oftentimes we as pastors need to be reminded that's what, that what is wrong in our church is often what is wrong with us uh, as pastors. And, and sitting there taking the time to look at ourselves and go, what is it that we're doing that's causing the downfall of our people? Just like, what is it that we're doing that's causing the downfall of our marriages, of our children, of our workplaces, of whatever the case may be. And so as you read through this life of Solomon, we can rejoice in the things of God's blessings upon him, but then also take his life to heart, because this is the same man who wrote Ecclesiastes. That's the tradition in the church, that, that he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, where he says, all is vanity where he had all these things, he tried all these things, and he discovered that none of them made him happy. None of them made him feel blessed. None of them added to him any sort of grace. And yet later on in the book, he does talk about the goodness of God and what God has given him and how God is his, place, his, his source of life. And that, that should be for us. That even in our downfalls, even in our failures, even in our failings, even when we really come to realize our own sinfulness, we cling to God 
and we beg of him to increase our faith, hope, and charity, our trust that he will be with us even though we're sinners, that he will not forsake us even because we fail, that his hopes, that the, that the hope that we have in him of what he is going to do will still remain, and that he might increase our love, that we might love others uh, more than our sin harms them. But let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, give unto us the increase of faith, hope, and charity, and that we may obtain that which thou dost promise, make us to love that which thou dost command. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Go in peace, serve the Lord, and we will see you tomorrow.